the first Wednesday of every month going over the 12 house habits. This is our third year to go completely through um, our house habits. You say, wow, can you ever do it too much? No, we don't believe you can because if these are your core values, if these are the habits of the house, there's no way to talk about these habits too much. And so uh, these habits that we talk about, these aren't just some corporate core values that we hang on a wall. No, these are habits and values that can be translated right into your home. So these just are not the habits of this house. These can be the habits for your house. And we believe here at North Point Community Church, we believe in the daily influence of sound, practical habits in your home. Habits are so incredibly powerful. They are so incredibly powerful. Good habits are powerful and bad habits are powerful. Good habits are powerful in one direction. Bad habits are powerful in another direction. And when you think about good habits, good habits are simply acts of discipline that become routine. That's what habits are. They, they, good habits are simply acts of discipline that become routine. They become a part of my Normal acts of discipline that just become normal in my life. And we could take that a step further and we could say that they are actually acts of discipleship because that's what Jesus called us all to be. He called us all to be disciples. And if you're going to be a disciple, that means you live with discipline. You cannot separate those root words between discipline and disciple. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. And when you, and when you live with discipline in, in, in the context of what God has asked us to do, it is going to help you become the disciple that God truly desires for you to be. And so when we talk about habits, what we're talking about is these acts of discipline are these acts of discipleship that become routine. They become the norm for each and every one of us. Jim Rohn, a, a business leader, said this, success is nothing more than a few simple disciplines practiced every day. That's what success is. It is just a few simple disciplines that are practiced over and over and over again each and every day. You know what a good disciple is? A good disciple is someone who practices the right disciplines over and over, day after day, day in and day out. It's what makes a good disciple, a follower of Christ. The Bible says it this way. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 11, he said this, Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. So what is he saying here? He's saying, hey, wisdom is going to add years to your life. But do you know what wisdom will also do? It won't just add years to your life. It'll add life to your years. When you begin to live in wisdom, it will add life to your years. You will be the one that benefits from wise choices. You will be the one that benefits from wise habits. You will be the one that benefits in your life from wisdom. When you learn how to live in wisdom, when you learn how to live with good habits, when you learn these things and you begin to put them into practice every day, that's when we find life being added to our years and years being added to our life. I love this quote from Joyce Meyer. It says this, that thoughts and words are the starting point for forming all good habits and breaking all bad habits. Thoughts and words are the starting point for forming all good habits and breaking all 
bad habits. If you remember in the gratitude series, uh, I shared this uh, just uh, last month in November for a few Sundays. And I said that God wants to change the way that we think so that God can change what we see so that he can change how we live. God wants to change the way that we think so that he can change what we see so that he can change how we live our lives. And before we ever consistently see the manifestation of the habit we desire in our lives, our thoughts and our words must change first. But whenever we get our mind right, and we begin to get our words right, it's then that our lives begin to move in that direction. And so we we have to see the power of our thinking. We have to see the power of what we say. So when we're looking at our house habits as we've gone through this year, now this we're on the last one, the 12th one, but, but we've talked about we live on, and we love big, we protect unity, we honor consistently, we lean in, we grow intentionally, we embrace discipline. We practice honesty, we lead out, we give generously, we cheer enthusiastically. You see, if you are going to actually live those out, if, if, if those habits are going to be manifest in your life externally, they have to start internally. You have to begin to think generosity. You have to begin to think honor. You have to begin to think unity. You have to begin to think love. You have to begin to think leaning in. You have to begin to think leading out. You have to begin to think cheering enthusiastic. Long before it ever gets into your external, it starts in your internal. I've got to begin to think different thoughts, and then I've got to begin to say different things. Because I've spent all my life saying, well, you know, I'm just not a very excited person. Well, I'm just not a leader. Well, we say, I'm just not a leader. We've said, you may, you may have said this a dozen, hundreds of times over your life. Well, I, I'm just not a leader. And that's not true. That's not true. You are a leader. Because you're leading the most important person you'll ever lead every single day of your life. And that's yourself. And if that's the only thing that you're leading, you better call yourself a leader. If you, want your, if you want your life to go in the right direction, you better be leading yourself in the right way. But we've been, we've been saying these things. And so if I'm going to change the outside of my life, if I'm going to change the things that are around me, I've got to change the things that are in me. I've got to change the things that are coming out of me. So, so that's why Joyce Meyer says it starts with our thoughts and it starts with our words. That's where all good habits, it's the starting place of the formation of all good habits. Because if this don't change, none of this is going to change. And if I don't change what I say, none of this, so I can start beginning to talk to myself. I mean, Destiny will tell you, I, I started telling myself this is who I was when I wasn't even that person. I, I started telling myself that I am this way because I knew that's what God asked me to be. And although that might not be naturally in my DNA or in my experience or it might not, not, might not have been present in my home, it might not come natural to me, it's what God asked me to do and it's who asked me to be. And so when, when I had been maybe spending time saying other things, alternative things in my life, and I came to this, wait a minute, I've been, I've been saying this, God's called me to be this, I can't keep saying that, I've got to say something different because I'll never see it different in my life until I begin to speak it different in my mouth. So that's the power of, 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 of these house habits because you say, well, I'm not really seeing loving big. Well, I'll say, are you thinking about loving big? Because you're going to have to think about it before you see it. You say, well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not really seeing unity in my life. Okay, are you, are you speaking unity in your life? Are you speaking this is the person that I'm going to be? Are you a person that embraces discipline? What are, you, what are your thoughts about discipline? What are you thinking about discipline? 
What are you speaking about? These are the things that you have to be, you have to be thinking about when it comes to the, these habits and living with these habits in your home and in your heart. And so tonight we're going to talk about we stay on mission. We stay on mission. And here at North Point, we have a mission, and that mission is creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community. Come on, we like to say it together, creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community. And here's the thing, you can't accomplish that mission if you don't stay on mission. You don't accomplish that mission if you don't learn how to stay on mission. It's not good enough to start a mission. It's not even good enough to have a mission. You have to learn how to stay on that mission until that mission is finished. And staying on a mission has to become a habit. Why does it have to become a habit? Because it's so easy to get off mission. That's why staying on mission has to be a habit because it's so easy for us to begin to drift off mission. If we're going to stay on mission, then we need to know how not to get off mission. Here's three ways to get off mission. I want to give these to you tonight and we'll wrap up in prayer. The first way that we can get off, off mission is with the decision. You can make a decision to get off mission. People make this decision all the time. They just make the decision to give up. They just make the decision to quit. They say, I'm tired. This doesn't really interest me anymore. This isn't meeting all of my needs. I'm not happy. I feel overworked. I feel underappreciated. This is taking way longer than I anticipated. And all of those things are basically saying, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm quitting this. I'm moving on to something else. They made a decision, and that decision got them off of the original mission. The Bible speaks of this. Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says this in verse 10. He says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas, my, my good friend, my good buddy, Demas, he, he deserted me. He walked away from me. He decided that this wasn't for him because he just, he just loved the world so much and so he's left me on my mission and now he's gone off to do his, on, his own thing. And Demas just made a decision. He made a decision, Paul, I don't want to walk with you anymore. Paul, I don't want to build the kingdom anymore. Paul, I don't want to sacrifice this anymore. Paul, I, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be like this and, and now I'm making another decision. But, but do you think when he made that decision that he thought about how many people would be reading about the decision that he made? When he made that decision to say, I'm tapping out, I'm throwing in the towel, too much for me. It's not meeting all my needs. I'm not really happy here. I don't feel appreciated by the team. I'm, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later. Do, do you think it ever crossed his mind that, that, that there would be, that there, there's been more than 5 billion Bibles printed in the world? Five billion printed since, since the printing press. Five billion. The Bible has, the New Testament has been translated into 1,521 languages. 1,521 languages have read about Demas deserting Paul. <laughs> Billions of people have read this story. What does this speak to us? It speaks to us that you, you never know the magnitude of the decision that you make to give up. You never know the cost. You don't know the five billion people that are going to read 
about you quitting and giving up. You'll never know what was lost. You never know in the moment of decision what the consequences are going to be. I promise you, it never dawned on him that some 2,000 years later in Bossier City, Louisiana, that I would be preaching about a decision that he made. Because he thought, I'll just break off, I'll just do. No, no, we're still reading about the decision he made to quit. And this can happen to anyone. Anyone can make this decision. Anyone can decide to tap out. Anybody can do that. But, but for, most of, for most of you in this room, you're at church on a cold Wednesday night. That's not you, okay? You are here on Wednesday night, and, and you're here because you've made the decision to be on mission and not to avoid the mission. So let's look at the, the second thing, the second thing that can get us off mission, and that's deception. It's not the decision, but it's deception. The, the word deceive means this, to cause someone to believe something that is not true for the purpose of gaining an advantage. See why the enemy wants to deceive you? He wants you to believe something that's not true for the purpose of gaining an advantage over you. He is a deceiver. This is one of the things that he'll do. If, 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 you're not, if you're not going to tap out and you're not going to quit, then he's going to come in and try to get you deceived. Here's, here's what you need to know. The enemy is not threatened by somebody who believes in Christ. The enemy is, is only threatened and he only gets nervous when you begin to live the great commission of Christ. Uh, that, that's the reality. And so you believing in Jesus, he's not afraid of you believing in Jesus. He, he only gets threatened when you begin to live out the great commission that Jesus Christ gave us all, and that is to take the good news to our neighbor. That is to begin to pour out radical, unconditional love for those around us. It is to be a beacon of grace and hope and mercy. It's when we begin to live out that great commission, that's what the enemy really gets frustrated and concerned with when you begin to live that. And this is, the thing, this is why the devil is so good at deception, because he's a professional liar. That's who, that's who he is. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 8, verse 44. It says he's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. It says when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When he is talking, he is lying. It is consistent with his character. He can't share the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. And if the truth is not in him, it cannot come out of him. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. And he's doing it to gain an advantage against you. The devil will do his best to convince you that what the Bible says isn't for you. You'll stand up and say, the Bible says all things are possible. And the enemy will come in and say, yeah, that's for people that fast and pray every week. You stand up and say, but nothing shall separate me from the love of God. And the deceiver comes in and he says, come on. You know that's for people that are trying a whole lot harder than you. You stand up and you quote the scripture and say, I am the righteousness of Christ. He says, really? <laughs> I don't see much righteousness in you. You stand up and you quote the word. You say, I'm created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works. And he comes and he says, are you really qualified to do those good godly works? Then God really wants somebody like you representing him in that form, in that fashion? Really? You see, the enemy is always doing his best to convince you 
that God is not who he says he is and that you cannot be who he said you could be either. What the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to deceive you. God's not who he said he is. And not only is he not who he said he is, you can't be who he said you could be either. And so he does his very best to deceive you to gain the advantage against you. Because if you start believing that he's not who he said he was and you can't be who he said you could be, then all of a sudden the enemy has gained the advantage in your life. Because where does your strength come from? Your strength comes from the fact that I believe he is who he said he is and he is true and he is good and he is faithful and he is strong and he is a way maker. I do believe and not only do I believe that, I believe that I am who he said I was and that I can have what he said I could have. That's where my strength comes from. And then he doesn't want you in that place of strength. So what does he try to do? He, he tries to bring his deception. And now, and now this isn't, this isn't in necessarily intentional like making a decision. Making an, in, a decision is very intentional. But just because it's not intentional doesn't mean it's not deadly. Deception, it, 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 it's not intentional. I never intended, you know, the deception is like being, being out there in the ocean. You know, you get in the current, you know, you get out there in the water and just playing around in the water out there. And all of a sudden the, the current kind of takes you down, takes you down the beach a little bit. And you start looking for, you know, where's our hotel go? Where's our, where, where are our chairs at? You know, and they're, they're all the way, but you got to get out and walk all the way back. Why? That, that's what deception is. It's not, in, I didn't intentionally go down that way. I didn't intentionally leave this place. It's just the fact that I was just doing life and I didn't even realize what was happening. But I was being deceived and carried off from where I really wanted to to be. And although it is not intentional, I didn't intend to get there. It doesn't mean that you still haven't moved. And whenever you move off of what God has said, no matter if the enemy is deceiving you or if you're intentionally doing it, it is deadly either way. That's why Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 14, and he says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Carefully, carefully guard the precious truth. Why? Because it's what the enemy is after. The enemy is after the truth. Because this is what he knows about the truth. When you know the truth, what is it going to do for you? According to what Jesus said, it will set you free. What will it set you free from? It will set you free from believing the lies that he's trying to get you to believe. And so he is coming for the truth. Why? Because he wants to get deception into your heart. And as long as you are standing on the truth, you are free from believing what he is trying to get you to believe. This deception that gets us to, to drift in, in the opposite direction. It gets us to move off of our mission. Here's the third thing. The third thing that gets us off our mission. It, it's, not, it, it's not the decision. It's not the deception. Number three is the distraction. And if the, if the enemy can't get you to make a decision to quit, and he can't force you to drift through deception, then he will always go for distraction. Because in distraction, he, did, he, doesn't even have to make, he doesn't even have to make it simple things. In distraction, he can make it good things. And it doesn't even have to be something that would violate your, 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 your conscience, violate the Holy Spirit in you. It's, it's, not, it's not a sin and righteousness issue. No, no, no. He can just bring anything into your world that will distract you. 
When you look at the word distraction, uh, the, the prefix of that word, dis, D-I-S, it means apart or away. And so if you just think about what does distraction means, it means that the enemy is trying to get you away from your traction. He's trying to get you away from your traction. Because you, if you're going to finish your race, and if you're going to fight the good fight, and if you're going to stay on mission, then you know what you're going to need? You're going to need some traction. And what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to get you away from the traction that he knows that you need to get where God is calling you to go. And if he can get you distracted and he can pull you away from the traction that you need, he knows there's no way that you can finish the mission that you started on in the first place. He says, I'm going to take your traction away. I'm going to get you distracted. And there's so many distractions in our world. So many distractions. I mean, just, let's, just, let's just look at a few just for a second. How about just being distracted by other people's missions? You get distracted by other people's missions. They, they, they have a mission that is, that is different than ours, and we get distracted by their mission. You know, some, some people's mission is their kids. Their kids will be in all the right sports and all the right camps and all the right schools and all the right clubs doing all the right stuff. And they, and they live their life just so that their kid, and, and they spend Monday night here and Tuesday night there and Wednesday night running over here and Thursday night here and Friday night there. And they spend every Saturday and Sunday traveling all around so that their kids can be in the best shows and the best things. And they just devote all their time to their kids. And then when their kids grow up, they wonder why their kids aren't godly, but they were never in church. They were chasing something else. And, and we just get distracted because, well, that's what our neighbor is doing. That's what our neighbor is doing for, for little Jimmy, and that's what our other neighbor is doing for little Sarah. And we just want our kids, well, God didn't call you to live that mission. Called you to live another mission. You're just getting distracted by other people. You can get distracted by other people's companies. How many employees do they have? How much profit they're making? And you can, get, you, you, you can begin to do things that they're doing. That's not what God's called you to do. You can get distracted by, by other people's homes. You just get distracted by their home because they, they got a beautiful yard. They got a nice flower bed. So you're going you're gonna to spend 40 hours a week out there in your flower bed because you want it to look like your neighbor's. They're paying somebody to do that flower bed, but you're out there doing your own flower bed. <laughs> Because you just get distracted. You get distracted because you, you, want, you want every holiday, you want to have the best decor out there in front of your house. And so, I mean, it, from everything, you got Valentine's decor and Fourth of July decor, and you got all these things. Why? Because it's because it's, because it's what they wanted. And I thought, man, they can't have a better house than me. I got to be out there. I got to be doing that. No, no, no. You, you, don't, you don't even care about your yard. You, ne- you never cared until they were your neighbor. What it's their mission that begins to distract me. There's other distractions. What about other people's criticisms? What people say about your faith, what people say about your belief. How about what people say about the way that you raise your children? And it can become a distraction. What what you what you say to me, your criticism of me, because I decided that I'm not going to give my child a cell phone until a certain time. I'm not going to give my kid access to certain things until I feel like they've reached a certain age because I've decided that my kids aren't going to stay certain places because I've made these decisions and they're going to criticize me and, and we can get distracted. Well, maybe it's okay. You know, they're letting their kid do it and they're letting their kid do it and we can get distracted because other people are criticizing us and now they're... Their criticism has distracted me away from the mission that I know God has called me to, and I just get distracted, and I lose my traction, and all of a sudden, now I've lost everything else. 
So many distractions. How about you can get distracted by other people's issues? You, you can literally have a conversation with somebody and walk away with their fear and anxiety. I mean, before the conversation, you aren't spending any energy whatsoever on that. And now you can't get it off your mind. Why? Because you got distracted by somebody else's issue. You got distracted by somebody else's soapbox. They jumped up on their soapbox, and they let you have it for 10 minutes. You don't even care about that. Not even an issue. When you walk away, and now all of a sudden, you're carrying the burden of somebody else's issues. And it's so heavy that I can't get traction on the way that I'm trying to, I'm trying to live out this mission. But now you put so much weight on me that I was never intended to carry and that I didn't even care about before our conversation. And now I can't run like I know I need to run and go where I need to go. Why? Because I just got distracted by your issues. You say, but I'm trying to help them. You're not helping them. They're hurting you. You didn't help them. You walked away. They didn't, they didn't leave encouraged. You left discouraged. They didn't leave enlightened, you left loaded down. The Bible says this in Proverbs 4, verse 25. It says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead. I love that. I love when the Bible just says it like it is. Look straight ahead. That's like a good teacher, you know what I'm saying? Get your eye. Look straight ahead. That's a good coach, you know. Look straight ahead. I mean, ain't no, ain't no, no problem with clarity there, right? <laughs> Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Because what lies before you is your mission. What is around you is your distraction. Fix your eyes on what is in front of you. And if you are going to stay on mission, you can't let your eyes drift to your neighbor's fears and concerns. You can't let your attention drift over here to what people are saying about you. You can't see what other. You can't know I've got a mission from God, and I am focused on that, and I have decided that I will fix my attention, and I will fix my focus, and I will build my life in this direction and I refuse to be distracted by anything else that is around me because that's not my mission. I want to focus on what God has called me to. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing how many distractions there can be during Christmas time. I mean, during Christmas, the time where we come together to celebrate the birth of the Savior. So many distractions can come in. All the presents and all the gifts, all the parties, all the Christmas cookies and hot cocoa, the decorating of the house, the shopping, the Santa Claus picks with the kids. And, and it just seems as if the month of December just flies by. And now all of a sudden it's all, it's all over. We say, wow, that was crazy how, how fast that, that happened because I was running here with the crowd, and I heard they had a good sale over here. And then I had to wrap up all the presents that I bought, and I was, and I, I was so stressed out and trying to get everything together. And, oh, I forgot, I forgot Cousin Jimmy, and I had to run out at the midnight hour and get a present for Cousin Jimmy. And it just goes the whole time. Just so distracted in the season. It's amazing even during this time how quickly we can forget. 
the real reason for this season. You see, right now is the time for us as the church to stay on mission. And if you've been around the last few weeks, you know we've been talking about our 40-day finish. What is the 40-day finish all about? What is, the, what is the purpose of the 40-day finish? It's to bring focus into the last 40 days. It's to bring focus. When other people are drifting, when other people are slacking, when other people are moving in the wrong direction, no, our 40 days, we are focused in the last 40 days. We are focused. In, why? Because we have a habit here that says we stay on mission. We stay on mission. And anybody else in the world can be distracted. We're not going to be distracted. Why? Because we have a mission and we're going to stay on mission. It's interesting that during this season of Christmas, uh, you know, people are, are more likely to come to church during this time than any other time of the year. Because, man, they're, they're, they're hearing Christmas songs in places and seeing nativity sets out on the road and people's houses and and there's just a little more awareness a little more awareness of God maybe just maybe maybe this God does want relationship maybe the story is true just just maybe he did send his son maybe there was a little baby boy that was born in a manger maybe he really did go to the cross maybe it really is true that he is the hope of the world just just maybe and during this season their hearts are just a little bit more tender and a little bit more open to the possibility of you inviting them to church and them saying yes to you and wouldn't the enemy love for us to be more distracted when the world is most interested? Wouldn't the enemy love it? For us to be more distracted during this season at a time when the world is most interested? The world is most interested to hear our story, to hear our hope, to hear about our Savior. They're the most interested that then maybe there's a second chance for me. Maybe this creator, maybe he does love me. Maybe there is hope for me in this life. And they're interested to hearing about it. But we're distracted by everything else. That's why we have to have a habit. Habit says we stay on mission. We stay on mission in every season. Christmas season, January season. February. No, no, we, we, stay on, we stay on mission in every season. The good season, the bad season. We stay on mission. We stay on mission through every season of life. Why? Because it's become our habit. And you see, this is why it's so important that you have habits. Because it doesn't matter what season I walk into. When it is the routine of my life, when it has become the discipline of my life, when the good habits have become the small acts of discipline performed over and over and over again in my life, they have become my norm. They have become my routine when I walk into the Christmas season I'm not going to be distracted by everything else I'm not going to be deceived by anything else and I'm definitely not going to tap out and make a decision to quit during the season it doesn't matter how hard the season might be it doesn't matter how crazy the season might be no why because I have a habit and my habit says I stay on mission my eyes are fixed before me my focus is on what is in front of me and I won't be distracted by anything else because I will stay on my mission. God's given me a mission. 
want you to stand with me tonight because we're going to pray. And then right after we pray, we're going to sing a little Christmas worship song. And we're just going to remind ourselves that during this season of jingle bells and sleigh rides and during this season of wrapping paper and Christmas toys, we're, we're not going to forget why we're really here. That don't mean why we're here on Wednesday night. I'm talking about why we're here on this earth. We have a mission. We will carry out that mission because that is who we are at North Point Community Church. We stay on mission. Father, we, we thank you so much. As we come towards Christmas Day, as we move towards this moment where we have set aside here in the United States of America and we've recognized December 25th as our day that we would celebrate the birth of God's one and only Son. We would celebrate the moment, God, that stepped out of heaven, stepped into the dirt of this world. God, all of us are standing here today. We're all standing here today because you stood on this earth 2,000 years ago. We are here today honoring you because you came 2,000 years ago to honor your father. And in the midst of this holiday season, with all the fun and all the good times and all the reasons to cheer and celebrate family and friends, God, I pray that we would not miss this opportunity that's in front of us. God, don't let us be distracted when people are interested. Don't let us be so focused on our own thing that we forget about the mission that you have for us. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed tonight, as we take a moment and we just begin to worship here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do in this place I, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to come so so sweetly and hey if you're here and you and you made that decision you tapped out on God a few years ago and you turned your back on God and maybe you're just here today because your spouse maybe you're here today because you've got a relative being baptized and, and, and you know that and you say man I, I'm ready to make a different decision today I want to make a decision to come back to God. God's arms are wide open. I believe as we sing, maybe the, the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to point out some areas of you where, you where you've just been deceived. You've started drifting. You didn't even know it. Not intentional. But, but you just got deceived. The enemy came and he lied to you and he deceived you and he convinced you that the lie was the truth and he has the advantage over you in some area of your life right now. 
I believe the Holy Spirit's going to come and point some, some, some people in this room. You've been deceived. You've, you've been believing the wrong things. And the Holy Spirit's going to come so, so sweetly. The Spirit of truth, Jesus called him. The Spirit of truth is going to come. And the Spirit of truth is going to expose that lie. And something's going to happen in your heart tonight. You've been drifting off mission. Tonight you're going to jump back in mission, on mission. Because the truth is going to set you free from that lie. There's others of you here, you just got distracted. Ah, just distracted, distracted with work, distracted with issues, distracted with things, just distracted. Nothing bad, nothing, nothing wrong, nothing sinful. But you just got distracted by stuff, things. Called you to move away from your mission. And today you say, I'm getting back on mission. I will not be distracted when people are interested. I will not be distracted and, and moving in the wrong direction when God has called me to fix my eyes straight ahead, to look straight forward, and to move powerfully in his will and in his way. Father, I believe in just a moment that's what's going to happen all over across this place as we just take a moment of worship. Father, Lord, we look to you right now. God, with humbled hearts, God, we, we thank you for grace in this moment. We thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient. We thank you that your mercy is brand new every morning. God, we thank you for what you're about to do in these few moments together as we just worship you, as we are reminded the reason for this season, as we are reminded about what it is that we've been called to celebrate and rejoice over, Jesus Christ, King of kings, the Lord of lords. Savior of our soul. Come on, can we worship the Lord?